Hi there, everyone. Welcome back to No Really Everything's Fine, the podcast for proposal managers who aren't waving, they're drowning. We're so excited to have you here today. Welcome to our discussion about proposal management topics. I'm Catherine Bennett, Senior Manager of Proposal Operations at Maven Clinic, and I'm going to introduce the rest of the group here, starting with Nora. Go ahead and tell us about yourself. Sure. Hi, I'm Nora Fox. I've been in proposal management for five years. Uh, Currently, I'm working for Shipley Associates on a Fortune 50 software account. Hey everyone, I am Nicole Robinson, AKA the RFP Queen. I have been in proposal management for nigh on 17 years. And I currently am the sales enablement manager for the largest privately held cybersecurity firm in North America. Up next, Chris. Yo, yo, Chris LaFountain, king of the RFP mountain. Been doing this for 15 years or so. Um, I'm the only one on this podcast who is eligible for the APMP 50 over 50. It's going to happen this year. I feel it. I feel I hope it so. for you. They, they, they got it. They cater to the 40 year olds and the 30 year olds. It's time for us experienced folks to really step up. You know, that's right. You got to know or you earn those silvers. The proposal speaking for what seasoned? Seasoned. Seasoned. That's okay. Weathered. Okay. There you go. <laughs> no, season. Season is better. Well, season is better. A, yes. Who doesn't love a good little uh, a good little salt and pepper on that? Okay. Okay. We're let's get back to. <laughs> we gotta, oh wait. Let's get back to the topic. All right. The law of triviality. Law of triviality. Some of the other folks in our industry call this bug dust, which is the silly little things in the proposal that distract us from getting down to the meat of what we're trying to talk about. I know we've all been in this situation where where the key stakeholders are focused on where the graphic lives in the proposal instead of understanding what the graphic says. So, so what's your experience with the law of triviality and how have you either succumbed to it in your past and learned some lessons or overcome it and ended up saving the day? I can tell you recently, um, I was working on a proposal, you know, significant page limit, right? Um, And what we did was we were working in a Word document because that's, we got all of the requirements in a PDF, right? So they didn't include a compliance matrix. And I thought, okay, you know what, let me just follow their format and we'll put it in. And so, you know, we talked about, we knew we had 50 pages for uh, the proposal itself and we had 50 pages for the appendix to begin with. And the technical people got in there and they were doing their thing and, you know, um, they were answering the questions and they were giving a lot of background. But unfortunately, when I got a hold of the document, I had 202 pages and I needed to chop it down to 50. Right. (laughs) And so um, I think part of what we were doing was we wanted to make sure that we answered every question. Right. Fully. And, and so that's where, you know, sort of our technical people were coming from. And my standpoint was, can we answer this in less words, right? What can we cut out? And so from there, we were actually able to, I, you know, just through formatting and all of that stuff, I kind of got them down to 180 pages. And I kept asking every question, every requirement, I'd go back to the technical team. Can we say this in three sentences? Is there anything we can, you know, chop out from here, but still be compliant with the requirement? And, you know, thankfully, it, it, it was meticulous and it took a lot of time. We made it to the deadline, thankfully. Uh, but, you know, we didn't make it down as many pages as we as I would have liked to. Um, in my personal opinion, as the proposal manager, I do think we could have maybe cut out a little bit more, but the technical people weren't comfortable with that. But, you know, at the end of the day, um, I understood where they were coming from because you 
want to meet the requirement of the RFP, but you also want to answer it completely, right? So what the team was able to do, and thankfully this was a private proposal and not a public sector proposal, is they were able to go back and say, hey, can we have some extra pages? And so luckily, you know, thankfully the client came back and it, it all worked out. But I think my learning from that is next time what I would do is take all of that and I would put all of those requirements actually in an Excel spreadsheet, right? And I would give that to the technical team as opposed to working in the Word document with the understanding we all are on the same page that if there's only 50 pages, mm -hmm. because you can only put so much in an Excel spreadsheet, right? Mm -hmm. Law of triviality, right? <laughs> and, and what we were saying before, if you give someone so many pages, unlimited pages, even if they know, that's probably how much they're going to take up. But if mm -hmm. you can put in sort of a limiter, right, on those cells of 300 mm -hmm. words, then mm -hmm. they'll use 300 words as opposed mm -hmm. to. So, you know, that was my learning. That was my takeaway. We made it. It was a great proposal. The, the content from the technical specialist was incredible and I thought really did a great job. Um, but my learning was, okay, you know what? There still maybe needs to be a little bit of guardrails on this, um, even though we are all in the same understanding that we have a page limit. So, um, you know, that, that will be how I proceed forward. But, you know, again, we were able to sort of, get around that by me going back and um, probably took up a little bit more of my time than it would have if I had led with the spreadsheet. But, you know, honestly, it was just a great learning. So mm -hmm. that's, that is really wonderful to hear. And like you, we say, the work expands to the space that you give it. I want to tell a story real quick about a, uh, a proposal uh, or a CEO that I had who wanted me to wear museum gloves every time I assembled an RFP, because if we had fingerprints on the front of the RFP response, We'd probably lose the bid. Mm -hmm. I don't. Mm -hmm. What are some? Like, mm -hmm. do you think? Do y'all think that's true? Mm -hmm. No. Me, no, because you have you to ship the that? proposal, right? So if it's a hard copy, mm -hmm. you have to get it to them. And I mm -hmm. will tell you, I don't think that anyone in the post office or at FedEx is going to be yeah. wearing museum gloves. Uh, yeah, yeah. So they're probably going to get it with fingerprints at some point yeah yeah i mean i mean unless you're mailing it to like csi or something you know and you know <laughs> sealed envelope yeah yeah or no, just no, having no, someone I... have someone dust for prints or something yeah yeah i think that's i mean i kind of see where he's where that person might be coming from because i when back when i did hard copies a lot i mean we would have I, yeah, yeah i mean i mean we i mean we would make sure we, we would we'd have to wash our hands to do it to do every page check we made sure we would have rules against not having any you know, beverages or food nearby or just things like that. And yeah, and we, you know, back in the day when we used to have to print hard copy a lot, you know, we had like, we had, we had rules and processes around this because, you know, it's very easy for something small, like, you know, like a Cheeto, you know, to get, you know, to, to get on your finger and then get in the paper, then you have this orange choodle, you know, on the page and it, and it looks like crap. So yeah, so just getting, yeah, you know, just you know, just being very specific with people, you know, you, you know, it, not dissimilarly to what Nora was saying about about the page limits and the sections, um, you know, just being very specific about, you know, giving them five pages, giving them ten pages or whatever, and and they'll, you know, and they'll, you know, they will take the whole thing because that's what they're they will they will go as far as you're as you're willing to let them, and I think that's that's the lesson. For me that i've had is that you know just be you know p yeah, people will take you know as a proposal manager you know you are directing the flow of work you are directing assignments you are directing content and um if and it's great and if you want people to contribute you, you have to give them you have to give them their limits 
uh, and just know that they're going to go all the way, you know, turn turn it up to 11 even sometimes too. So the way to prevent that slippage is like to clearly communicate is what I'm hearing Mm -hmm. from the two of you. Sorry, Nicole. Mm -hmm. No, I, I, I can't believe you guys responded to that with serious faces because my number, I was like, is she kidding? Like, are you actually hand on the Bible? Yeah. No. Yeah. It's for real. Come on, man. (laughs) Nicole, you've worked at better places than us. Yeah. Oh my God. Okay. Well, you mean Canada do, do anyway. things differently? I don't know. Okay. You have universal health care. You have general respect for people in the workplace. Like it sounds yeah. like a <laughs> land of milk and honey up there. Seriously, oh yeah. Gosh. No, 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 milk and maple. I, wow. Okay. Yeah, that. <laughs> but you know, at the same time, though, I I understand where you have to put some things in in place for some. Yeah. You would think it would be common sense that people would think, okay, I'm not going to bring my coffee, my iced coffee that might be sweating, and set oh. it down next to these pages. Yeah. But unfortunately, right. that's yeah. just not the way the world works. Not yeah. everyone is is so conscientious of those things. Yeah. So to an extent, yeah. I understand where you wouldn't want, you know, like Chris said, Cheeto dust on a page. Mm-hmm. I would be super mm-hmm. grossed out if I was in procurement and <laughs> I got a hard copy with a Cheeto fingerprint on it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, thank you. <laughs> um, but again, I do think it's about balance, right? Like there needs to be a line. Like mm-hmm. no, you don't want food and beverages, but do we need gloves? I don't right. think so. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know. What wins you did? What was like is the yeah. thing and if a procurement person is looking at you with a straight face and saying, You left a fingerprint on the front of your document, I can't give you this work. We don't want to work with you. We don't work with you anyway. Yeah. <laughs> you're not, yeah, you're not the client yeah. for us. I, mean, I suppose it's called a white glove review for a reason, right, Catherine? So you know. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. But and also too though, right? If you're in procurement and you get that fingerprint, right? Could it be a case of where they go if they're not paying attention to what the clem, you know, what the look oh, of yeah. their their pages are? Are they really going to be paying attention to my implementation? Oh, I don't know. I want to argue that. We hear that all the time. The quality of your RFP is the quality of the operational work you will do, and that is so obviously like. I, I I will die on this hill. They are not the same. Like an RFP has a two week turnaround. The project mm-hmm. that we're delivering for you has a full scoping meeting with right. like seven weeks of ramp up mm-hmm. and a full team of technical experts. It's not the same. Or right, Nicole, like we can argue this one too. I think this is like because I see I see Nora looking skeptical. I see Nicole nodding. Okay. I see Chris. I yeah. know. Catherine, you and I are on that hill together. Guns blazing, like sniper pit. Like you, come on. <laughs> Okay, come on. No, they're I will looking actually at go so, so far as to say I have worked on RFPs and then I'll, I'll circle back to the two things with regard to guardrails and yeah. <laughs> um, I've actually worked on RFPs and those documents went in and then I actually went to operations and I was like, we're going to win. Because what I just put, what I just sent in Mm-hmm. is phenomenal work okay mm-hmm. and when we get to the short list we're going to slay that because we that's what we do around here okay mm-hmm. we do short list presentations and we blow them out of the water okay they're gonna come in and they're gonna meet with us and they're gonna talk to the best of the best in this organization we're going to win this deal it is worth a lot of money 
if y'all mess this up when it gets to operations, y'all will never see or hear the end of it from me, okay? Mm -hmm. Every time y'all walking up and down the hallways, I'm gonna be like, oh, y'all remember the time when you messed up my <laughs> that deal that we worked mm -hmm. uh, six weeks on <laughs> to mm -hmm. make sure that we closed? We had to fly people from other, other parts of the country and other parts of the company just to make sure that we had the right amount, the right team in place for this mm -hmm. presentation and y'all got it in operations and jacked it up. Y'all remember that? So... <laughs> So, so Nicole, you're saying, you're saying that the quality of the RFP doesn't doesn't dictate what's about to happen next. Not and at I think, all. So, Nora, Nora, I I will concede. I think there's like a bottom. There's a basement. You can't you can't say, okay, I'm gonna hand. Although I've lost to handwritten bids before. I lost a 12.5 million dollar project to a handwritten bid. So this is why I don't think I'm again museum glove guy. Same company. Mm -hmm. The aviation space is. Uh, insufferable but anyway Nora so I think there's I think there's a floor at, like you have to come in at this minimum and I wonder like how much more like impressing them with the RFP actually does to like like I wonder sometimes how much that effort actually does what do you think mm -hmm. I I think it means a lot right I mean personally right when I uh this is why I when I worked specifically in government proposals I was what they call a FOIA shark I don't know if you've heard this term before, mm -hmm. but basically a FOIA shark is somebody who follows up if, you know, especially if you lose, right? But I mean, sometimes if you win, you just kind of want to know maybe what mm -hmm. other people have, but you can file what's called a Freedom of Information Act request, right? And so you can see the winning proposal, but also you can just request all of the evaluation, all of the mm -hmm. documents that were gone, and sometimes mm -hmm. they will give them to you. So then I got to see, all right, not only the winning proposal, but every competitor that we were up against. Mm -hmm. And you also get to see things like pricing from the competitor who, who wins. So you know, okay, are you way out of the ballpark here? Are you, are you underpriced? And so you can really adjust, especially in the government space um, in that way and make sure that you're staying on, you know, industry trends and, and kind of those things. And I'll tell you, I made significant updates to our, not only the way that we were writing content at that company, mm -hmm. um, but also the look and feel of our RFPs to sort of bring it up to another industry standard level. And then we started winning. We went from an 8% shortlist rating to a 42% mm -hmm. shortlist rating. Mm -hmm after about a year of me improving content, of me updating the look and feel of the documents. So I certainly think that there is something to be said because you know you have to know, okay, images and text together are remembered far more than just text, but some people don't necessarily subscribe to that, right? So you, you have to be willing to look at the quality that other people are putting it out and compare it and go, is this, is, is this the same quality? So, you know, and I think it all goes along with, we don't want coffee marks on the pages we don't mm -hmm. want finger i think it's all tied in together the tighter and and better the the, the visual presentation that you can present i think mm -hmm. the the quicker it is to get your foot in that next door it's yeah. like watching mm -hmm. presentations right if somebody comes in and some people can do an excellent presentation with either no or very low quality slides right they can just mm -hmm. get up there and they sell it but you don't have that interaction all you have is that written page those yeah, written words those images that is your first impression, especially yeah, yeah. if you're going after a cold RFP where a rep has not been embedded in the account. Right. So that's your first impression, right? Yeah, it, so it, for it, me, it, that's why I'm a little bit anal retentive about those details. Yes, I want the grammar on point. No, I don't yes. want a hanging comma or whatever. You know what I mean? Because for me, 
that's that's me in those pages. They're seeing the quality of my work and the quality of what I'm willing to put in. And I'm representing the quality of our company. So to me, those details are important. But I would yeah. also never so, use white gloves to assemble an RFP. Mm -hmm. That's well, not going to happen. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, proposal. So, you know, echoing what Nora was saying, I mean, proposal, you know, especially in those cases where you're responding to a cold RFP or if you don't have a foot in the door. A proposal is a proposal is your sales team, is your organizations, it's their it's their resume, if you will. It's uh it's an interview, you know, it's it's their, you know, it's that it's that chance to make a uh, a really good first impression and you know and missing out on some missing some of the details, uh, going over page limit coffee stains you know you know everything we talked about you know it, it's you know it, it can put it can put a real damper on that first impression you know so you know, i think the you know getting you know so you no know, i think there is somewhat of a value in getting lost in some of that detail because you know some of these cases you can't be too careful in about and how and how a bid looks if it's if it's if you're following corporate branding if you're using the um you know, proper grammar, grammar, sorry, uh, text justification, things like that. So I think, yeah, it's, you know, and, it, and it's easy for, you know, and it's very easy for everyone else to get caught up in it too. And so that's, so there needs to be that balance between you know, getting lost in the details and then 20 foot thousand, 20,000 foot level. Okay. We need to just kind of, just kind of get this going. So to, yeah. so to have, to have some kind of standards in place that, you manage and that you communicate to everyone else and that you enforce i think that'll help to not spend so much time on those details but at the same time have those mm. communicate to everyone so everyone knows what they are and everyone can follow them can you make a manual so that people don't fall into that i'm mm. going to tell a story nicole give me two seconds give me two seconds because yeah. i want to tell a really funny story real quick one time we spent about three weeks redesigning a whole proposal and like making all these beautiful graphics and sending in what was conceivably one of the most visually appealing documents i've ever mm. created in my life i called up for the debrief and the lady started laughing when she told when i told her what company i was from because oh. she goes oh yeah your work plan didn't we had no idea why you proposed because your work plan was trash. Like we don't under, why did you propose on this document? Like mm. you, you don't meet the requirements at all. And so like, that's the thing too, is like we spent three weeks focusing on the layout of the document and our work plan did not meet the target. So you gotta have both. All right, mm. Nicole, what do you got? So to solve all of this kind of stuff, I created a scorecard this year. So during the, the, during the review process, they are there are like five to 10 elements um, of the proposal that have to be addressed while we're reviewing it. Mm -hmm. And if these things are not addressed, then they need to be, they need to, the writer needs to go back and ensure that these things are taken care of. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that I'm really, like I really harp on is being concise. The customer is asking a question about how something happens. Answer how it happens. We don't need to be over here like, we're at this organization, we're the number one, blah, 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 blah. And we've been, no, no, they don't care. It's wonderful that we have those accolades and we've accomplished those things. What they care about is how that, what, what that means to them. So tell them what it means to them. So, okay, we might have this much expertise. What does that mean to them? So I really, I really 
hone in on being as concise in an answer as possible. So that's that's my guardrail. So I I'm I just kind of ensure that my writers are coming in and saying what needs to be said that matters the most to the customer. Yes, this proposal is about us, but it's not for us. So let's always kind of keep the blinders on in terms of who our audience is and why we're writing and drafting this document. Um, so that was that was kind of like one of the guardrails I wanted to address. But for hard copy submissions, we would have um, in our offices, when we were in offices, um, this very long table um, that literally sits in the middle of the floor. And that's where I would prep my um, my hard copy responses. And of course, you know, people see me doing that. It's like, oh, what's Nicole doing? And I literally, I would turn into the biggest defense that defensive player, like... Mm -hmm on any NBA team, <laughs> like I'm guarding the basket. Like <laughs> if someone had anything in their hands, like food, drink, I'd be like, just take a step back from the Walk table. Away. Walk away. Uh, uh, uh. Literally. No, 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 no. That's right. Just take a step back from the table. Or I'd be like, I'm sorry to ask you this, but are your hands clean? And that would be like, if one of my VPs walked over and was like, oh, can I just take a look? I'm sorry to ask you this, but are your hands clean? That, that would be a no. Okay, yeah. So as much as I'm, I'm, I don't want to go to the level of saying we're using a white, white gloves in order to like mm -hmm. handle the hard copy document, I still myself set a standard for yeah. what happens in and around my hard copy submissions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because we're dressing for the job we want, right? Not the mm -hmm. job we have. Yeah. <laughs> so we are racing up towards the end of the time. I would love to summarize what we are saying today. What I've heard is that we need to have checklists that help us build a strong document from the very start so nobody's criticizing the way in which we're using our colors, commas, or spaces because we've all already agreed to that. I love this idea. Second is make it easy for your subject matter experts to be concise and write to what the customer wants instead of writing about ourselves. And third, always remember that you need to wash your hands. Wash your hands. Just wash your hands. Yeah. Especially in this day and age. Yes. <laughs> we have, this is, this is the No Really Everything's Fine podcast. We have been Catherine, Nora, Chris, and Nicole. Thank you for joining us today. You can find our podcast on any platform that podcasts are hosted on. And we're so proud to be bringing you this wonderful podcast all about proposal management. If you're interested in finding out more, connect with any of us on LinkedIn, subscribe to our podcast online, and we look forward to hearing you again next week. Take care and keep your head above water. And your hands clean. <laughs> <laughs> all right. That was good. That was fun. That was awesome.